Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Hello and welcome to the program, UFO Warning. In this episode, we're looking at some eyewitness UFO accounts from a website called artangel.org, artangel.org. I've got some fascinating accounts listed here, really an interesting resource, I think. Now, the first account uh, comes to us, it says, My name is John Healy. At the time of making this officially transcribed statement, I was a detective with the Cleveland Police Department. I was also a U.S. Army Reservist training as a flight medic. The incident occurred when I was traveling on a helicopter with three other reservists on the evening of October 18, 1973, about 10.30 p.m. We were halfway between Columbus and Cleveland, near Ashland, when the crew chief saw a red light on the horizon. He asked the pilot if there were any towers around there and was told there were not. As we went along at an altitude of about 3,000 feet, the light seemed to be growing brighter and brighter. It appeared to be on a collision course with us. It kept coming right at us. The pilot had to put our helicopter into a power dive to avoid it. Now, that must have been really frightening. Remember, this is 1973, so you didn't have dozens of cell phone towers, you know, scattered in every county across the state. So they would have known where the cell phone towers were at. It would have been pretty common knowledge. And they see this light, and they're coming up on it, and it just suddenly it's in front of them, and they have to put this chopper into a paradigm, as he says, to keep from colliding with this UFO. He says, we were looking right through the windshield watching this thing, and it damn near came to a stop right over us. It just hovered for a while. We all got a very good look at it. It had a steady red light on its prow. It was cigar-shaped. There were no wings on it. It made no noise, created no air turbulence. It had a green light shining down out of an aft end. It shone down and on us, and you could see a definite cone shape, the shape of the green light beam. I've seen aircraft from PT-19s up to C-5As, so I know an aircraft and when I see one at night, but this thing scared the living hell right out of me. We contacted Mansfield Airport and told them we were almost in a collision with an unidentified flying object operating at 3,000 feet and about 600 knots. Now imagine, 600 knots, that's that's, uh, you know, right at around the speed of sound. Mansfield never acknowledged our broadcast. We tried to get a hold of Cleveland Airport, and we couldn't. Until the object passed over us, it continued to the west, picked up speed, and we lost it over the horizon. We never saw it again. We talked about this sighting all the way back, and we just couldn't dope it out. The thing didn't have wings, but at 3,000 3, feet... You have to have wings to stay aloft. It was If it was a dirigible or a zeppelin, because of those things don't move at the speed this thing did moved. Clandestine aircraft wouldn't operate at that speed at that low altitude. All four of us filed official reports. That's from 1973. Uh, this, imagine this giant cigar-shaped UFO traveling you know, nearly at the speed of sound, maybe over the speed of sound, but there's no sonic boom, no sound of any kind. I find it interesting also that they tried to contact the uh, 
local uh, air traffic control and got no response. Now, whether their signal was being blocked or these guys were just told not to say anything, we don't know. Now, this next report is from a rather famous case, actually, and I think it's interesting because it's from the perspective of the sheriff involved, and it has to do with the Pascaluga, Mississippi case. It says, My name is Fred Diamond, and I am sheriff of Pascaluga, Mississippi. On October 11, 1973, two local men, well-known to me, Charles Hickson, 45, and Calvin Parker, 19. Now, remember, we talked about these guys before. Charles Hickson was a former, I believe, combat veteran from uh, the Korean War, and I've actually had people leave comments uh, in that area that knew this guy, and it sounds like he was a stand-up guy. Uh, Calvin Parker, I believe, is still around. He's done a couple books. Interesting character. He was much younger, of course. Calvin Parker staggered into my office at 6 p.m. in a distressed condition. They reported to me and Detective Tom Huntley that they had been fishing along the Pascaligo River when they sighted a strange silvery craft about 100 feet long, which descended from above to within 30 feet of them, where it hovered while emitting a blue light. They stated that a hatch in the craft then opened and three gray-looking aliens floated out. The aliens appeared to Hiskin and Parker to have wrinkled skin, claw-like hands, and a single slit for an eye. Parker said he then fainted, but Hickson stated he was immobilized before being floated aboard the craft where he was laid face up on a table. A huge electronic eye then examined him from head to toe at close range. The men stated that about 20 minutes later, they suddenly found themselves outside the craft once again. You know, I think it would be great if Calvin Parker would would uh, maybe undergo some sort of exam to see if he maybe didn't have an uh, implant involved in this, because this sounds like classic abduction. And so many times when these folks are abducted by these things, they end up with alien implants. I've never really heard that angle of the story before, but I, I find that both those guys' testimony, of course, um, Charles Hicks, Hickson's has passed on, but I've watched uh, lots of videos and read, and read stuff on this, and I find both these guys to be really believable. It goes on and says, At first, we did not believe this statement by Parker and Hickson for obvious reasons. We continued to interrogate them to try to break down their unlikely story, but they insisted on what they had seen. The first thing they wanted to do was to take a lie detector test. Charlie appeared badly shaken. You don't see a 45-year-old man cry unless something terrible has happened. Okay, now remember, also I told you, as I re recall, Charles Hickson, Hickson was a combat veteran from Korea. A tough dude. Also, I heard Calvin praying to himself when he thought nobody could hear. In order to investigate their claims further, Detective Huntley and I left Hickson and Parker alone after interrogation with the tape recorder still running. The two men talked between themselves as follows. Parker, quote, I've got to get home and get to bed or see a doctor or something. Hickson, I've seen nothing like it. I can't believe it. You can't make people believe it. Parker, my arms just froze up and I couldn't move, just like I'd stepped on a, on, a, on a GD rattlesnake. Hickson, I know, son, I know. Parker, it's hard to believe. Oh, God, it's awful. I know there's a God up there. The two men appeared to be ill and were taken to the local hospital. It was suspected they suffered from radiation poisoning. One, on examination, they were found to be free of radiation and well enough to return to their jobs at the local shipyard. I reported the incident to federal authorities for further investigation. My opinion, for what it's worth, Parker and Hickson are just two country boys, and neither of them has enough imagination to concoct such a tale or enough guile to carry it off. That's pretty interesting, I think, to see this, you know, 
written back in 1973. That's from the sheriff's perspective. He sounds like a pretty cagey guy to me. And he's saying, wow, this thing sounds real. It sounds genuine. Now, this next article is from uh, Clarence Hale. And it's a little different perspective. It says, I am 64 years old. I live in Childs, Arizona on the East Verde River between Flagstaff and Phoenix. I have seen hundreds of UFOs. I first sighted one in 1947. I have seen so many I don't pay attention anymore unless it's something special. I don't have... I don't even have to go outside to see them anymore. It's more a feeling I get, a really warm and kindly feeling. One example I can give you is this. On June 18, 1967, I was awakened by a strong sound, similar to the background music of a science fiction television show. I thought someone was telling me to go downstairs. I did so and looked outside. There, between my house and the, and the next one, I saw a figure wearing a luminous suit. I went outside, and the sound started again. I received a message mentally that said, You have nothing to fear. I will not hurt you. And I know you will not harm me. I went closer to the figure and heard the sound again. When I received another mental message saying, Danger, I must leave. I then saw a light or glow in the sky, and when I looked down, the stranger had vanished. I truly believe that aliens from outer space are trying to talk to the people on our planet. The strong feeling of love and compassion we get is their way of, contract of contacting us. They are trying to make the universe a better place. There's no reason to fear them. Well, with all due respect to this gentleman, I think he's making an awful lot of assumptions there. Uh, we don't know how advanced these things are. But we don't even know if they're from outer space. But to think that just because we have warm, fuzzy feelings about them doesn't mean that they are warm, fuzzy entities. This next one says, My name is Phyllis Atwater, and I'm a writer. On October 5th, 1986, I was persuaded to be taken to, a, to Pine Bush, about 60 miles northwest of New York City, to look for UFOs. I was with two friends and a guide, and one night, suddenly, on a small road between farms, we saw an astonishing occurrence. Globes of light were bubbling up from behind trees, then gliding sideways at treetop height. Then neither, continuing to rise or change direction and glide back, all of the globes or lights were large and seemed in no hurry. This is something that we hear lots of reports on, of these globes, constantly hearing about these things. And we can tell from this, it's been going on for a long time. They would first appear as pure white when hovering above the treetops. Then they would cut loose and turn blood red. Colors were pure. The lights were steady. After getting height and moving close to rest, the globes were would change color again, this time to green, which made them almost disappear into the black sky. I heard a high-pitched whining sound as it got closer to us. When the light globes turned green, other flashing lights were visible all around them, and the globes then appeared more triangular in shape. When we tried to move in closer to the lights, we were warned off by a local farmer who said it would be dangerous. Now that's weird. So this must have been something that happened frequently, and predictably, because he says this local farmer was there, and he tells him that it would be dangerous. See, the other guy, he's getting this feeling that these things are are loving and kind and want to help the universe. Well, this other person's getting quite the opposite impression. He says, don't get next to these things. They could be dangerous. Also, notice how the lights are changing colors back and forth. Now, whether they're communicating with each other or attempting to communicate with us, we don't know. But we see this over and over again, these changing light patterns. It says, he said the lights were a regular occurrence in that location, and good conscience, I can't say definitely whether they were or were not UFOs. 
Well, they were unidentified, but I know they were not any kind of aircraft I have ever seen before. I feel the matter deserves serious investigation, which it has not received as of yet. Wow. Now, this is the last one. I think this is kind of cool. It says, My name is Terry Belisodecki. On Tuesday, July 28, 1998, at 8.30 p.m., I was running my sailboat in the Atlantic Ocean near Maryland Shoals, just off Key West, Florida. Suddenly, I and my crew spotted ten orange circles in geometric positions. They stayed for five minutes, disappeared, and returned in five minutes. Later, nine orange discs lit up the sky. Next, three orange rings in a triangular formation appeared and then disappeared. Words did not explain the whole situation. Their size and how the sky was lighted up. It was awesome. So, yeah, it can be awesome seeing these things because they are so out of the ordinary. These strange globes changing colors back and forth, uh, organizing themselves into formations, and then disorganizing themselves randomly. It's quite a light show sometimes. And it's interesting to me how some people end up with these very positive emotional experiences, some very negative emotional experiences, and some people even end up, abduct end up abducted. Strange indeed. Until next time, this is UFO Warning, over and out. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.